The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Bold predictions week here on Fantasy Football Today. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have uh, bold predictions from four different analysts. And here's one from me. Julio Jones gets traded Wednesday. Wednesday. That will be tomorrow. He gets traded to the mm, Titans. Titans. For a second round, first uh, two second round picks, one ne- this year, one next year, or one next year. When they okay, there you go, guys. Breaking news. I think Falcons would take that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would uh, it would rain just a little bit on the AJ Brown top three wide receiver parade, but man, where do we rank Ryan Tannehill if he's got Julio Jones and A.J. Brown he's throwing to? He can't be more efficient. And than Anthony Ferkser. Mm-hmm. And Anthony Ferkser. Don't forget about him. Uh, Tannehill would probably be 10. It would be a lot of fun. It would. And uh, we will have, if there's breaking news on Julio Jones, you can you can bet your bottom dollar we will be podcasting on it. Well, I hope everybody had a great holiday weekend. Like what? What's the, what's the level of breaking news podcast we're going to do? Like Jameson Crowder cut. Is that an emergency pod? No, I know. I don't what about that. Zach Ertz traded? Yeah, yeah. What if James Crowder is traded? Maybe for Zach Ertz. For- <laughs> that actually, would make some sense. Yeah, I, I, yes. Um, Zach Ertz gets a podcast. Crowder only gets a podcast if he goes to somewhere where it's like really interesting. And who cares? Let's talk about bold predictions. We've got some news to get to first, and then we'll get into some kind of rumor mill items. Like, uh, not, not a rumor so much, but just, you know, the kind of soft news. Joe Burrow working on his deep ball accuracy, and the Saints could be more run-heavy to start the season. And, and uh, Washington, yes, they're going to throw the ball downfield more, but they want Antonio Gibson running more passing routes. So we'll talk about those types of things. Before we get to Jamie's bold predictions, today, Jamie's bold predictions. Tomorrow, Heath's, then Dave's, then Chris's. Uh, let's talk about Julio Jones. So Seattle is discussing. I don't know if we have to talk much about it, but uh, because we will react to the actual news. But Seattle is in uh, talks to acquire. Well, they're discussing it. They're discussing acquiring Julio Jones. That's pretty vague. But okay, let's say he goes there. Metcalf or Julio? Who would you rather have? Uh, Metcalf. Yeah, I I probably would. See, the problem for me is I still really haven't separated Metcalf and Lockett, at least in PPR rankings, because I would expect Lockett to catch a lot more passes. They're very, very close to each other. So you can't have three top 20 wide receivers on the same team. You can. I think. And Julio is more... Uh, of a DK copy at this stage than Lockett. Like, I don't know that Lockett's targets really be impacted a huge amount. He runs totally different routes. So, wait, how many... There were a couple of teams that had three top 24 receivers. I think Dallas? They'd all be in the top 24 for me, for sure. I assume Lockett would fall, like, to 30 for a lot of people, and I'd start drafting a lot of Tyler Lockett where I'm drafting Juju right now in round six. Yeah, the Steelers were were the other one I was going to mention. Um, so... Yeah, there. Let's see. Dallas. Dallas had Cooper at fifteen, Lamb at twenty-four. Okay, no, Gallup was thirty-eight. So was, let's see. Pittsburgh. Okay, Pittsburgh had three top twenty-four receivers: Juju at sixteen, Deontay and Claypool twenty-one and twenty-two. They threw like seven hundred passes. They did, yes. Uh, and then Carolina did, but that was thanks to Curtis Samuel's rushing. He had two hundred yards and two touchdowns rushing. But that would make a ton of sense, just because AJ Brown could still be amazing. Maybe not top five, amazing, but still be amazing in this offense. 
you don't want to see him go to a place like Seattle because of what it could do to everybody there, aside from obviously Russell Wilson. Jamie so, was like, not Jamie was just like, stop talking about that, Adam. We're well, just- I mean, you know, look, uh, <laughs> I, I think I think you gotta be you gotta be encouraged by what Seattle's offseason's been. You know, the the start of it with the trade Russell to where they finished out of the NFL draft of, you know, having three draft picks and one of them, their first one, was a wide receiver. You know, that that kind of tells you that I think they're gonna let this offense be a little bit closer to the Russell side of things as opposed to the running side of things. So you don't want to see that get ruined for Metcalf and Lockett and what that could be. But, you know, like I wouldn't mind seeing Julio in New England. I mean, it's not good for Julio, but, you know, it's not going to ruin a receiving court, for example. You know, so I, I don't I don't want to see that happen for the, the, the receivers that we're excited about that there isn't an opening. Like Tennessee clearly has an opening. I mean, there's just, you know, targets available with Corey Davis and, and John Smith gone. Yeah. I, I think the really interesting, like this, uh, the, on the Seattle side of it, and we kind of have like, if you just took our shirt colors, I'm noticing now we're almost like a Seahawks <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> but the interesting thing is, we went into the offseason with this idea that Seattle's pulling back on the passing game. Last year, Russell Wilson was at 34.8 pass attempts per game, which is his, was his career high, but he's had three seasons basically right in that same 34 to 35 attempts per game range. He also has a lot of seasons at or below 30 attempts per game or close to. So I am feeling far less concerned about Russell Wilson losing a bunch of passing volume. Mm-hmm. I did, but, but when you factor in that he threw five more times per game in the first eight games compared to the second eight games, does that matter to you? No. I mean, no. Okay. It doesn't. Okay. All right, then let's move on. Let's talk about, uh, well, Aaron Rodgers. GM uh, Brian Gutekust will not trade Aaron Rodgers this summer, according to The Athletic. I think Rodgers likes me, just hates the GM because it's hard to say his name. (laughs) Yeah, Gutekust. It's the end. There should be two ends in there, but there is not. Gutekust, it's really Uh, tough. Let's say say the Packers never trade Aaron Rodgers at what point what date are we going to start discounting Rodgers for the possibility that he actually sits out a few weeks if he doesn't show up by the third preseason game okay that's the last one right so it should be the second one second or the last preseason game excuse me oh the last okay whatever the case may be I don't know (laughs) the one the starters will play in right uh, many people believe that the NFL will eventually move to an 18 game schedule according to Peter King Okay, let's see how 17 goes first. And Corey Davis has a minor shoulder strain, but it didn't seem like it's completely minor. I don't know. Seeing Dr. James Andrews is never a good thing, and they're they're optimistic that rest will heal it. But this is definitely something to keep an eye on. Let's hope it doesn't linger for Corey Davis. He is the number three starter in the rotation, though, so that could be bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to be live tonight, Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube, giving some bold predictions, but mostly just answering your questions. We get a ton of questions throughout the night, and it's a lot of fun. So join me and Heath, youtube.com slash today, and get your questions answered and give us some of your bold predictions. So we'll see you tonight, youtube.com slash today. What you have to do is subscribe to the Well, you don't have to do this, but what you should do is subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications so you'll know exactly when we're live. And we will see you tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern, Tuesday night, youtube.com slash today. We'll also see you in our Facebook group. We got a, a link in the episode description, but come on into our Facebook group. It's a great time to join because now you can talk to all the other people in there uh, with your draft questions and, and weigh in on some um, some hot topics and things like that. Keeper questions, some Q&As, Dynasty Values. Join our Facebook group. It's Fantasy Football Today. That's it. Just search that in Facebook or click the link in the episode description. Here we go with Jamie's bold predictions. First one, Jamie, Jalen Hurts, your bold prediction is... Uh, he'll be a top five fantasy quarterback this year. Um, I think you just look at what uh, he showed you in the three-game sample size. I know he started four games. We're going to throw out the fourth game, Adam's favorite game of the uh, 2020 campaign um, when he started against the uh, the Cowboys, right? Washington. Um, Washington. I mean, I'm sorry, when he started against Washington. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. The Giants playing the Cowboys. Um, you know, the 16-game uh, the pace in those three games was – 4,500 passing yards, 27 touchdowns, 
1,200 rushing yards. So he has a chance to, uh, I think Lamar Jackson will probably get there as well with the 17 games, but uh, to be the first 4,000, 1,000 guy. And um, I don't think he's going to be the first guy to do it, but he's got the potential to do it. And, you know, as uh, as we've talked about a lot, and, and obviously the, the three bold predictions for me are going to be guys that I've talked a lot about already, but um, he's not going to be drafted as a top five quarterback. So that's, you know, good in terms of what his draft value will be. His upside could be, you know, with the rushing ability, um, a 4,800 guy, you know, he's going to be better with the full off season as the starter with a better offensive line, with a better receiving core, with the addition of Devonte Smith and who knows what they get back in return for Zach Hurts if they're able to make a trade. So, um, I, I just think there's a lot to like about Jalen Hurts based on value and potential and upside. And so, um, he's somebody that I draft a lot of already and will continue to draft a lot of. And I, I think there's a, there's a high ceiling. There's a, a, a middle floor. I don't, I don't know where the floor exactly lies, but the Russian quarterbacks typically give you a high floor, but, um, I don't want to overvalue him, but, uh, I, I do think there's a, there's a good floor, a high ceiling, and, uh, just a lot to love about what Jalen Hurts could be this season. I think it's really interesting looking at Philadelphia's offense. Um, and I still have a lot of questions about what they're exactly going to be. They've kind of been uh, a little bit uh, hidden about whether how much they're adding in terms of running back or quarterback running plays. Are they gonna, I don't think they're going to go the full Baltimore route like they did with Lamar Jackson. We've got Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen, two guys who, who were under head coaches who we generally view as the, the ones dictating the play calling and Frank Reich and Anthony Lynn. So it will be really interesting that first month of the season to see, like, what is their run-pass split? How many design quarterback runs do they have for Hertz? Who is he primarily targeting? Um, I, I, there's no question he has top five upside. I was just looking at an NFC ADP. He's actually QB 11. Um, and I've got him 10 at quarterback, but really close to everybody from 7 through 10. Um, but he's behind Matthew Stafford in yeah, May ADP. I'm looking at that too. Uh, that's why I, the other guys that he that Hurts is behind it pretty, yeah, pretty understandable. The types of players that you would expect, uh, the the mobile guys at the top. Then you have Herbert, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Stafford ten, and Hurts eleven, and then Joe Burrow and Stafford, Hurts, Burrow, and then Matt Ryan, all within ten picks of each other. Um, yeah, I, so so let me follow up with some questions. First of all, you gave the pace for the three games that he started and finished, but I don't think we should just completely throw out Week 17. He threw for 75 yards in three quarters, 72 yards in three quarters. Uh, he was awful. He did have two rushing touchdowns in that game, but why shouldn't we factor that in when we look at his pace? Because if you look at his 16-game pace uh, with you know in his four starts, it's down to 3,000. It's still great. It's 3,676 passing yards and 1,100 rushing yards and 24 total touchdowns. But I don't, I don't know, Jamie, that because we saw his downside. We saw that he's not by any means a polished passer. And sure. when he faced two good defenses last year, he threw for 167 yards in four quarters and 72 yards in three quarters. When he faced two, Dallas definitely bad defense. Arizona certainly wasn't great. Two teams that scored over 30 points against the Eagles. He had to throw a ton. That's when his big numbers came. So I don't think we should just throw out Week 17. Um, you know, there are different ways you can. I guess you can parse the uh, four games. Yeah, I mean, you know, he just didn't finish the game. So I'm only gonna look at the games that he started and finished. But because uh, we don't know, I mean, he would he could have thrown for you know if that game goes to overtime, for example, you know, he could have had you know 200 yards passing by the end of that game, and his numbers look dramatically different. Um, I think. You know, you got to take into account the whole the whole picture of it. Uh, his receiving core was a joke. His offensive line was a joke. Yeah. You know, um, so he was working with, you know, spare parts. Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard were both playing injured. Um, you know, in, in that stretch, and Goddard only played two and a half of those games of the four that he started. So um, there, there's just a lot to look at here. And so you know, it, it's not like you you change coach, you you bring back a couple offensive linemen, you add Devontae Smith, and all of a sudden he's the best passer in the world. But you have to take into now he's the he's the uh, starter in the offseason. Now he's the starter come week one. Now he's played a few games. Now you see what he's capable of. You look at what he did as a college quarterback and what he was able to do in two different systems, going from Alabama to Oklahoma and how he performed in those two scenarios. And so um, it, it's just the, the whole total package. And, and again, you know, we're talking bold predictions here. You don't have to draft him as a top five guy. That's the point. Yeah. You know, so um, – I think, you know, when you look at the quarterbacks, because I think the top five are kind of locked in, right? We're, we're, we're talking Mahomes, 
Allen, Lamar, Kyler, Dak, right? I don't, I don't think there's going to be a different top five, different order, but different, different top five. You know, Deshaun Watson changes that if he plays and you know he's playing and he's playing, you know, in, in a scenario that you feel comfortable with. But maybe there's six. In the next group of guys, he belongs. And, and I think it's pretty clear that, you know, we're, I think we're all in agreement of that. ADP, early ADP tells us that, you know, the industry, for the most part, is in agreement with that. And if you want to take him as the sixth quarterback, fine. You want to take him as the 11th quarterback, fine. But the potential is what you're looking for. And that's what we always talk about at the quarterback position. So uh, if he improves as a passer, which I think he will, continues to run, which I think he will, uh, there's just a lot to love about Jalen Hurts. And and I think like those two bad passing games, it's worth noting that one of me ran for 106 yards, the other one he ran for 34 yards and two touchdowns in three quarters. So like even when he was bad as a passer, he still wasn't killing you for fantasy. Yeah, I, I'm not anti Jalen Hurts. I just my my you know everybody who listens to the show, you know I'm going to bring up the other side of the coin just yeah, just to have a thorough conversation. You're right about that, Heath. Um, However, one thing that really jumps out to me is that he only scored 20 fantasy points last year in a six-point-per-passing touchdown league was not anything special. It probably wasn't top 12 most weeks. He scored more than 20 only once. So he had a huge game against Arizona, 43 fantasy points. He scored 20, 19, and 15 in the other three games. Um, but you don't, you just don't, you just don't really care that much about that when you look at a rookie quarterback. I mean... Lamar Jackson in his seven starts as a rookie, he was on pace for 2,500 passing yards, almost 1,300 rushing yards, but only 16 total touchdowns. He completed 58% of his passes. That's just not a good quarterback. And then the following year was one of the best seasons we've ever seen from a quarterback. Right. You don't want to expect that by any stretch. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, it's a very easy comparison because came in on a bad team as a backup, Played a few games. Wow, you saw the wow factor. Yeah. And then, you know, the hope that carries over to next season. And I think that's what we were saying about Lamar Jackson. No, nobody expected him to be the NFL MVP and play like he did. But this is the, the, the type of scenario that you hope carries over from small sample size as a rookie, bigger performance as a sophomore. All right, let's go to our next guy here. It's Terry McLaurin. And what is your bold prediction for Terry McLaurin? Yeah, uh, be a top five fantasy wide receiver this year. Again, something you've heard me say quite a bit that I, I like Terry McLaurin a lot. I like the setup for him. Um, I just think there's a there, there's a lot to love about him without getting into it until you ask me a question or two. But um, there's there's a lot to love about Terry <laughs> McLaurin's situation with Ryan Fitzpatrick now as his quarterback. Okay, go ahead, Heath. Yeah, I um, there's no doubt this is bold, but it doesn't feel bold to me because in my projections I've got him number seven. <laughs> Um, I think so I'm right there with Jamie, uh, basically projecting him to where if he plays 17 games, he's going to finish top five. Uh, it, I, undoubtedly, playing with the best quarterback he's ever played with in an offense that should be more aggressive downfield. And it's it's really pretty remarkable for a receiver in his first two years in the league to earn 227 targets from that caliber of quarterback and still average nine yards per target, which is absolutely elite. So I, I think he had a little bit of the breakout last year, and it was kind of like Calvin Ridley. There was some missed time, and for McLaurin, it was there was the touchdown rate was bad, but it, the sky is the limit this year. The thing I like about him playing with Fitzpatrick is Fitzpatrick since 2010 has played eight seasons with at least nine starts. And that's with the Bills, the Titans, the Texans, the Jets, the Dolphins. <laughs> so he's the uh, definition of a journeyman quarterback. But, again, eight seasons with at least nine starts. Over that span, his number one receiver has been Steve Johnson, Stevie Johnson three times, Kendall Wright once, Andre Johnson once, Brandon Marshall twice, and Devontae Parker once. Those guys have gotten 128 targets on the year in those nine starts. So when he started in the eight seasons where he's made at least nine starts, his number one receiver has gotten at least 128 targets. Does that make sense? At, at least 128. At least 128 targets. Mm -hmm. So again, eight seasons, seven times in those eight seasons, the number one receiver has at least 72 catches, six times the number one receiver had at least 1,000 yards, and three times the number one receiver had at least 10 touchdowns. Well, that's so, big right there. Because the other ones are good, like the targets and the yards. But they're not top five good. No, not top five good. 
but, but the touchdowns. I mean, if it's only three times, but McLaurin has eleven but touchdowns. Did you hear the 20. names that Jamie said? McTerry McLaurin's a better player than most of those guys too. Right. Everybody but Andre Johnson and Brandon Marshall, at least on paper right now, he's he's better than hey, when Steve, when when Ryan Fitzpatrick got them. Stevie Johnson was pretty damn good. Right, but was I'm saying not? when Ryan Fitzpatrick got to them, they weren't as good as where Terry McLaurin is right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, like how, you know, you the, think- e- the easy one to point to is Devontae Parker, who was a total disaster until Fitzpatrick got a chance to just target him, give him a chance to play at what he does best, and give him a chance to make plays. The thing that Ryan Fitzpatrick does well is he lets his receivers make plays. He lets them go up and make contested catches. He makes them, you know, he, he allows them to get plays in space. He anticipates throws, sometimes to a fault. We know that's been a problem for him, which is why he's been with so many teams. But they're going to allow him to make plays, and I think it's going to really benefit a player like Terry McCoy. And, and I just want to, like, no disrespect meant to Stevie Johnson in any way, shape, or form, but he never had as many yards in a season as Terry McLaurin had last year. And he was about 25% worse on a per-target basis than McLaurin's been in his first two years of his career. So It's also a different NFL. I mean, you know, the NFL changed since Stevie Johnson and Ryan Fitzpatrick played together. Um, a lot of these numbers, like the high-end guys, Marshall in 2015 with Fitzpatrick is a high-end guy. Devontae Parker, two years ago, is more on the high, in terms of the numbers. Um, the, the 72 and 1,000 is more the Stevie Johnson, Kendall Wright numbers. But, you know, when you just start to look at it, you say, okay, where's the targets? You know, where's the floor? The 128 targets, that's a good season for a wide receiver over 16 games. I think we're going to see Terry McLaurin in the 150 target range. Um, the only concern I really have, to be honest with you, is how good will Curtis Samuel be in terms of what he does as a receiver? We know, like you said, Adam, uh, in talking about his performance in Carolina, he was a do-it-all type of guy. Can you know play running back, take you know bubble screens and jet sweeps and all those things. I hope that's still kind of what he does with with Washington. But if he does more as a wide receiver, that's going to take away from McLaurin. And everything you're hearing about Diami Brown, uh, again, I, I apologize if I'm butchering his name. Yeah, you can correct me at some point. Adam. Um, but uh, you're hearing just wonderful things about that. And then you factor in Logan Thomas, you factor in the running backs and what they're going to do. Is is McLaurin going to get peppered as much as I hope he will? I'm still buying into it, but, um, you know, those other guys could take away from McLaurin enough that he doesn't finish even as a top 10 guy, which he can still be top 15 and be fantastic. You just don't want to, again, overvalue him on draft day, which I don't think you have to. Yeah. I don't, the only issue I guess I have with this bold prediction is who are you expecting him to be ahead of? You know, it just, is he really going to be top five when you've got, players on better offenses maybe players who are kind of lined up to catch more touchdowns than he will Ryan Fitzpatrick only has one season with more than 24 touchdown passes uh he only has three seasons where he started all 16 games that's the other thing is he going to lose his job he has a tendency to lose his job because he is so turnover prone and this is a team that's got a great defense don't put the defense at a disadvantage by being turnover prone uh I don't know that he's going to lose his job to Taylor Heineke or something like that but I, it's just hard to crack the top five. I mean, you've got him ranked ahead a non-PPR. I'm looking, I'll switch to PPR. But, uh, like, you've got him ranked ahead of Calvin Ridley, I believe. Same. With Julio on the roster. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> in PPR, McLaurin's a little lower. You have him ninth. And Heath, you have him seventh. I've got him ahead of Michael Thomas, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, Allen Robinson. Why would you, like, well, yeah, so why would you put him ahead of Justin Jefferson? <laughs> I... A lot of what Jefferson did um, last year, like we know, we've talked about the regression that's coming for him. I just don't think Justin Jefferson's going to be as good as he was in his rookie year. But he was so much better than Terry McLaurin, both as a rookie and sophomore McLaurin. He he was. I don't think most of a lot of what he did last year is sustainable, and I think that Washington's probably going to throw it 120 more times than the Vikings this year. Washington was more pass-heavy last year than you would have thought. Uh, and then they and bring the year before, that same coaching staff was, I think, the most pass-heavy offense in the league. Right. And Scott, Turner likes to throw it. Scott Turner definitely likes to throw the ball. I do think it is Diami Brown, but I will uh, try to check on that. Okay, yeah, McClure, I, it's hard to find. It's just hard to find a reason not to like him. He's Can he make big plays? Yeah, he's got four touchdowns in his career of more than 50 yards. Two of them were on deep balls. Two of them were on kind of catch-and-run, broken tackle types of plays. He had a very high A dot as a rookie. He had a pretty low A dot last year because they didn't throw the ball downfield, but he's shown some versatility. And really, if you look at the overall numbers, he was about 20th per game at wide receiver. It's, it's not great, but his last four games were terrible. 
He had 155 yards in his last four games. Before that, and then remember they had they had Heineke in there. They I think they had Haskins. Uh, yeah, Haskins played in two of those games. He started one. Um, before that, he was on pace for 1,400 yards. So it was just kind of a sour finish to what was a terrific year for McLaurin. Uh, and it's hard. It's just hard not to like him. Okay, TJ Hawkinson is our next bold prediction subject here. Jamie, what do we got on TJ Hawkinson? <laughs> I know uh, this one. I don't know if Heath is going to go along with quite as much. Go ahead. That'll be a top three tight end this season. And um, again, you know, these are three guys I've talked a lot about. Hawkinson, we've spent a lot of time talking about. But I just love the setup for him. I, I think there's there's a lot to like about him. And, you know, you're going to say this about Heath, and I'm going to defend Heath on this one before he trashes my bold prediction. But he likes TJ Hawkinson. This isn't a – we all like TJ Hawkinson. <laughs> we all like TJ Hawkinson. And it's like whenever we have these conversations, it always comes across as one of us doesn't like the, the player because you take the other side of it. So I, I want to make that clear. I know Heath likes TJ Hawkinson. And when we get to his bold predictions, when we talk about Mark Andrews, I like Mark Andrews. These are the two guys that we're going to compare always because the sure. top three is going to be locked in. And I don't know who Hawkinson is going to knock out of the top three if he gets into the top three. I hope it's not that he knocks out anybody and he finishes fourth because uh, that's where I have him ranked. But I just think there's a, a, a huge ceiling coming for him, a uh, huge season coming for him because he has a huge ceiling. And so I, I just like to set up for him with the uh, the lack of talent around him and the, the, the start that he's shown you over the first two seasons. Heath, so the, the bold prediction is he, that uh, Hawkinson will finish top three. Yeah, like I can, I can. Uh, this is easier for me to get behind than when we have the Mark Andrews versus TJ Hawkinson because, like Jamie said earlier, this is bold predictions. It's absolutely TJ Hawkinson could have a top three season. He's still just 24 years old or will be 24 at the start of the season. He's still just 23. There's no reason to think that just because he's been inefficient his first two years in the league, that will continue forever. His competition for targets, I mean, besides number one wide receiver DeAndre Swift and number two wide receiver Jamal Williams, is <laughs> almost non-existent. They don't have any wide receivers who really probably even profile as a number two option, much less a number one option. So, the opportunity is all there. Now, yes, I think there's concerns about the fact that he's not really been very good on a per-target or per-game or per-reception basis yet in his career. I think there's concerns that he's got a quarterback downgrade. But in full PPR, like there's a chance that he comes out and is just like right there with Kelsey and Kittle in terms of his target share. And then it, we won't care if he's inefficient. He's going to be awesome for fantasy anyway. It's another guy who had a really bad finish to the season. He had 43, 18, 23, and 25 yards in his last four games. But for a while, I just remember doing the starter sit episodes, and you just you just started TJ Hawkinson. You know, he he was you know in the 60 yard range most weeks and getting enough catches. Uh, so last yeah. season, he had 11 games with at least five targets. And he scored 13 PPR points, at least 13 PPR points in seven of them. So it didn't take a lot of targets for him to be successful. And like he said, I think you're going to see him lead the team in targets. You know, those are the type of tight ends that we look for. Um, well, I, I know Heath didn't say he was <laughs> the running backs, but uh, he has the chance to lead this team in targets. And, you know, you, you look back, we've said this, you know, how many times over the last, you know, several months that. Um, George Kittle with the 49ers, Darren Waller with the Raiders, Mark Andrews, you know, in, in Lamar Jackson's big season, Zach Ertz um, in Carson Wentz's big seasons. Those guys lead their team in targets uh, or right there, you know, at the top. And obviously Travis Kelsey, you know, what he does. So I think Hawkinson has that type of ability. You've seen, and we talked about this with Jacob Gibbs, when Jared Goff leaned on his tight ends and it was the end of the 2019 campaign. And in terms of routes run between Gerald Everett and Tyler Higbee, when they actually ran routes, that's where he was looking more times than not. Mm -hmm. And so Goff has shown you an ability to make a tight end elite uh, in a stretch of games. And this receiving core speaks to leaning on their tight end. This coaching staff speaks to probably leaning on their tight ends because Anthony Lynn has a history of doing that as well. So um, I, I just think there's a lot to like about where TJ Hawkinson can, what TJ Hawkinson can be this year, who he can be this year, and the type of fantasy option he can be this year. So um, he's somebody that I'm also aggressively targeting in drafts that I'm not in without him. <laughs> Like, like it's it's possible that he just finishes number three in like a Logan Thomas way from last year as well. Like if the efficiency doesn't improve, 
you just get enough targets to where it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I hope it's not because George Kittle misses, you know, half the season because that was a big part of it also. On a per-game basis, George Kittle was a top three tight end. So, you know, you, you, you want to see, and this would make the position great. You want to see Andrews playing great, Hawkinson playing great, the top three staying healthy and playing great, and then, you know, two or three other guys, Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard, you know, those type of players, and maybe a surprise or two like we got last year with Thomas and Tanyan. Uh, you know, all of these guys being fantastic. And then we could say maybe this was the year of the tight end. So uh, I'd love to see that be the case. Noah fan as well. I think the problem that I have with tight end is when you have a late pick in, in a 12-team league, uh, if you can't get Kelsey, I don't know when to take a tight end. Because it seems if I have, let's say, the 10th pick, my first or second round pick to me feels too early for Waller and Kittle. Um, my third round pick feels, and my my third round pick definitely too early for Andrews, and I wouldn't take Andrews in round four there. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get Andrews in in round five, so that's 58th overall. So is that round five six turn? Is that where you're taking Hawkinson? You know, right now I'm looking at his ADP on NFC. It's it's Andrews. So Andrews actually is there. Uh, he's not there in our dress, but he's 65th. Kyle Pitts is also 65th, and Sorry. Hawkinson is my bad. It's 69th. Um, so look, if, if you can if you can get to the end of round five or the beginning of round six, and you've got your choice of Andrews, Pitts, and Hawkinson, and, and Goddard's actually going 91st, um, you know, that's pretty interesting. But you really can't wait any longer than that. You cannot wait until round seven if you have a late pick to think that you're gonna get one of those top six tight top seven tight ends. And then, yeah, you're passing up some pretty good players, especially if you don't have a quarterback. You're passing up some pretty good players around 60th overall. So I've been taking Hawkinson there. I, I don't love it, but I know Jamie seems to really like it, like it a lot at least. Um, yeah, so it's just a it's just you have to you have to pull the trigger at that point. I, listen, with Goddard current average draft position if that's the case i will probably move both andrews and hawkinson down a little bit from where i have them because if my if i have the choice to just wait until round eight and take dallas goddard i don't know like he has this type of breakout potential as well so if i can get him two rounds later i'll take good running backs and wide receivers in the round five and six range do you want to hear yeah, my and you like Noah fan also right so he's yeah. in that range too you want to hear my uh tight end bold prediction that i I'm not at all committed to, but we'll throw it out there for some fun food for thought. I, sure. I, I, is, I think I know what it is. Go ahead. Go ahead. Is it that Noah Fant will be better than TJ Hawkinson? No, it's that George oh. Kittle is going to be the biggest bust in fantasy. Oh, wow. Yeah, first of all, he's injury prone, and he plays in, a, in an injury prone style. I don't find it to be all that fluky. He's extremely physical, and I love him. And he's the best tight end in football, but he's Gronk-like in that respect. Oh, he always... The- what? He's the best all-around tight end in football, I think. Uh, fine. He might be the second best, but hes I think he's the best. No, I, I think a lot of people would agree with you because of what he does as a yeah, blocker. Right. Um, but what he does as a blocker leaves him a little vulnerable to injury. And uh, you've got possibly a early season switch to Trey Lance, which I don't think will be good for the overall passing game. And Brandon Ayuk was sick last year. I know that when Ayuk, Debo, and Kittle were all playing, all healthy, Kittle dominated targets. But just because it happened last year doesn't mean it will happen this year. And this is the most target competition that he's had. So I love him as a player. Haven't drafted him in any of our mocks yet. And get a bust feel from him. I don't think he's a bust, but a lot of what you said is why he's third for me behind Waller. Yeah. And look at the ADP. Like, I, I can't rank him behind Hawkinson or Andrews, but yeah. I don't. I don't feel bust-ish potential from him, but I don't feel same ceiling potential for him. He's he's eight picks after Waller. Uh, Kelsey's eighth, Waller's twenty second, Kittle's thirtieth. That's a that's a pretty big gap. Uh, Kittle so that's great. That's what you should do. Kittle at thirty is great. I would I would pro- I would take him there. I just don't want to take him in the second round. You would take the biggest bust in fantasy. <laughs> well, it could be. You know, actually, it's a good point. Like, if I'm deciding between McLaurin and Kittle, uh, there's some wide receiver. I don't know that I'd take. I'd take him over, say, Chris Carson. If you get to that tier of running backs, I'd go Kittle. But if uh, if Julio Jones or DK Metcalf or McLaurin are sitting there in the middle of round three, yeah, Mahomes or Kittle. I think I go Mahomes. Yeah. How about you? 
I go back and forth. I think I have Mahomes. I know I have Mahomes higher in non-PPR, and full PPR might be Kittle, but it's really close. I would take Kittle in both. All right, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll talk about some uh, some news items and whether or not they matter or if it's just some off-season fodder. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, everybody, to the first Bold Prediction show of the week. We are recording for this week. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Heath is up tomorrow. So get excited for that. And he's got a Mark Andrews Bold Prediction. We'll keep talking tight ends. All right, so does this matter? Joe Burrow, he threw the ball deep. I mean, he had 8.5 intended air yards per pass attempt. That was basically tied with guys like Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, which surprised me, Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield. Um, It was a lot more than Justin Herbert, who has this deep ball reputation. But it's not that he's working on throwing the ball deep more often. He's working on his deep ball accuracy, Joe Burrow. Heath, does that matter, Joe Burrow working on his deep ball accuracy? I hope that he is. Um, he needs to improve as a passer in his second year, and I have a little concern that the injury will prevent him from making the leap that we would normally expect from a player of his caliber, but no, I mean, it will matter if he gets better at it. And who would it matter for, do you think, Higgins or Chase? Or would it, or would it just hurt Tyler Boyd or just not really make a difference? I think it'd be good for the wide receivers, Higgins and Chase more than Boyd. Okay. It helps when you have, you know, more speed. And A.J. Green is not a speed guy anymore. And so, you know, I, I, I love the upside of Joe Burrow. I just think there's, you know, I mean, Heath is, is certainly, you know, right in what the injury impact will be. But, you know, you got to hope that as we've seen as things have gone on, guys have come back from ACLs. And I know it's the ACL and the MCL, so it's a little bit more challenging. But have come back and not missed a beat, especially that position. Um I, I just think there's the sky's the limit for what he could be this year with, you know, if Jamar Chase is as good as advertised, could be the best receiving core in football if all these guys play to their strengths. But you're taking Jalen Hurts over Burrow? Yeah, because they're running, you know, but Burrow's right there. You know, I, I again, going back to that group of quarterbacks, six through 12, he's, for me, Burrow's in that conversation. Okay, Larry Holder of The Athletic thinks the Saints could be more run heavy early in the 2021 season. Jamie, does this matter? Well, certainly matters for people that are concerned about Alvin Kamara and what Kamara's numbers look like when there was no Drew Brees, especially from a passing game standpoint. You know, so it'd be nice to see Kamara get a little bit more rushing opportunities and have a chance to score six touchdowns every game, like he did, you know, at the end of the season. Um, it certainly matters for Latavius Murray, you know, and, and I think one thing we don't spend enough time talking about is these second, not even second tier running backs, like third tier running backs, fourth tier running backs, guys that you can get, you know around in rounds eight through 12 that could potentially be difference makers, whether due to injury or even in some secondary situations. We've, we, you know, we've talked a little bit about Jamal Williams, what he could be. Um, Latavius Murray needs to be in that conversation. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be guys that are like league winners because we know Latavius Murray would be a league winner. If Kamara goes down, uh, Tony Pollard would be a league winner. If, you know, uh, Ezekiel Elliott goes down, but Murray's going to have some standalone value, you know, and we've seen it, you know, at times during his tenure with the saints that when things are going well for them, um, it, it wasn't the same as Kamara and Mark Ingram, but 
you know, if they are going to go back to running the ball a little bit more, a little bit better, um, taking some pressure off their quarterback and, and, and maybe more Jameis and less Taysom, uh, Murray's going to be just a fantastic value and somebody that you can use as a flex at times during the season. Yeah, I thought this was Larry Holder's way of uh, sneakily saying that he thinks that Taysom Hill is going to start week one at quarterback. Because <laughs> they will be more run heavy if Taysom Hill is playing quarterback. I think I said that they'll be more run heavy. I, I think the way, at least on Roto World, that it was written was like they're going to rely more on Kamara and Murray. So that's that's my fault for being deceived. I think rely on their running backs, not their running game. Okay. Um, the Giants could limit Saquon Barkley's snaps early in the season, according to ESPN's Jordan Renan. I, I do not like this <laughs> at all. Green eggs and ham. Um, like I was a little skittish about Saquon anyway, with adding Kenny Galladay to the offense and not being a little bit unsure about his target share, and then coming back from the injury. Um, I think I had him fifth or sixth. I. I have a hard time saying that I definitely want him over Mixon or Zeke or Eckler and PPR. In fact, I think I might prefer those guys. I can see it. I just think if he's healthy, he's a monster. He's just an absolute monster. He may not catch, you know, 60 passes or whatever he did as a rookie. Was he 80 passes as a rookie? Um, yeah, I think so. It was, it was, he's not going to do that with Daniel Jones moving, you know, because Eli was a statue. But uh, he's got 50 catch potential. He's still got, you know, 2,000 yard potential in the 17 game season. You know, I mean, he's just, he's, he's, he's still a star to me. I, I'm, I'm not going to shy away from drafting Barkley if he's healthy. Where do you have him? I think I have him fourth behind McCaffrey, Cook, and Kamara. I would expect Jonathan Taylor is going to move ahead of him. For you? Uh, well, I think an ADP. I think Taylor is sixth right now. Oh, hmm, interesting. Uh, he actually had 91 catches as a rookie, but yeah, those those days are done. In fact, I've pointed this out many times. They had a buy right in the middle of that season, and after the buy, that that trend stopped. He was he was like Matt Forte in the first eight games, and then he was more like a 65 catch running back after that. I think. Uh, yeah. So Taylor, hey, he was Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I guess so. Um, yeah, right now it's McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Derek Henry, Barkley, Taylor. If he plays 17 games, there's no way he's under 50 catches. No way. Yeah, no, no, definitely not. Uh, ESPN's John Kime says the Washington football team wants Antonio Gibson to run more pass routes in 2021. He did have 36 catches in 14 games, but it really felt like more than that because he had three catches in his first two games, Gibson, and then three or more catches in eight of his last 11 healthy games. So he was he was more involved. Like 36 catches in 14 games doesn't really jump off the page, but he was much more involved in that as the season went on. He had one game where he left after four snaps, didn't have a catch. Uh, McKissick, though, had 80 catches in 16 games. Uh, Heath, does, does this matter that they want to throw the ball downfield more and they want Gibson in more pass routes? Those two things don't seem to really go together, do they? Unless he's running deeper routes. I mean, the guy is... You know, kind of a hybrid player, right? Right. Yeah. It's um, bad for McKissick, I, 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 I think, would say. I think the the downfield thing sounds really great if you want to take Deami Brown in, in, in the last round of a draft as a sleeper. Um I unless they're just gonna phase JD McKissick out of the offense, which might not be a bad idea. Uh it's it's hard to see how the addition of Curtis Samuel and the addition of Ryan Fitzpatrick and the wanting to throw the ball downfield more leads to Antonio Gibson being more involved in the passing game. Okay. I, I, I just think that this guy, for what he accomplished last year, changing positions with no offseason, with the different quarterbacks that they went through, the fact that he got hurt, came back, was still their you know, primary running back, the ceiling is amazing for what he could be. You know, Because now that he learns the position, gets better in pass protection, um, on the field more. Uh, I think you said it best. Phase J.D. McKissick out of the offense because he was very good and he helped a lot of people win fantasy games. But he's an Alex Smith guy. This is not a Ryan Fitzpatrick guy. You know, he doesn't need uh, uh, I'm under duress and panic type of running back to play with him. He needs a he needs a star, and Antonio Gibson's a star. All right, two more things real quick here. Uh, Tim Tebow. This is another fifty catch guy, easy. Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow could be used like Taysom Hill, according to ESPN's Diana Rossini. 
Uh, Heath does, or Jamie, does this matter? Tim Tebow, like Taysom Hill. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it matters in, and in, 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 yeah, it matters for Trevor Lawrence. If that's going to be the case, it matters. Um, if, uh, you know, for Travis Etienne, it matters for James Robinson. I, I still find it hard to believe in, and, and look, I'm, I'm a, as big a Tebow fan as you'll find for what he did for my college program. Um, me and Pete Prisco, we, we were presidents of the Tim Tebow fan club. Uh, I, if, if he does play in this role, he has fantasy value. If that's the case, you know, deeper two quarterback leagues, you'll be interested in Tim Tebow if he's going to get listed as a quarterback. So when I say well, when I see a report that says he's going to be used like Taysom Hill, I I interpret that as he's in competition for the starting quarterback job. Is that not? That's probably fair. <laughs> he, I, I can't see him making the team. Yeah, I know. No. All right, so let's just move to our last one, Heath. Uh, Tennessee tight end Anthony Ferks are very involved in the passing game during OTAs, and that's according to the team website. The, I mean, the most involved. And, yeah, there's uh, there's obviously a lot of targets to be had there. So Anthony Ferks are a good sleeper? He is a good sleeper. As their roster is currently constructed, he's going to have to be very involved, unless A.J. Brown's just going to get 200 targets, which I think everybody would be okay with. Um. They, they did a lot. Like he was frustrating last year to the John O. Smith fantasy manager because they like they like running those two and three tight end sets and just throwing to any of them. I still don't know that I believe that he's going to be more than a 60 or 70 target guy, but maybe he will. Who is the guy last year? And I'm not talking about performance, so stats don't matter, but that's the level down from Logan Thomas and Robert Tunyon. Like, is there a guy that you could think of? That, oh, this guy was useful for fantasy. Um, it's Jimmy Graham, right? No, no offense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking more Stop. like came out of nowhere type of guy. Yeah, Graham, first half of the season. Eric anyway. Ebron had a stretch like that. Like, I, I think Ferkser, I don't think he's going to be what Logan Thomas and Robert Tunyon was. I don't think he's catching 10 touchdowns on 59 targets uh, like Tunyon did. I don't think he's catching as many passes as Logan Thomas did. But he's that type of guy. He's going to be that type of guy that you say, we're, we're talking about him now, right? You know, we're going to talk about him a few times. Uh, I think he's a great Scott Fishbowl tight end. I think he's a great best ball tight end. I think he's a great, you know, tight end premium tight end to, to put on your bench or as your second option because all the targets are there. But even in regular seasonal PPR, non-PPR, whatever format you play in, he's going to be a guy we talk about on a waiver wire a lot. I mean, the guy might have been John o. Smith. Yeah, but John o. Smith was, uh, as, I mean, you know, Dave overhyped John o. Smith. You know, John o. Smith got a lot of attention in the preseason. A lot of people overhyped John o. Smith, it turns out. I'm so embarrassed for tight end. What a pathetic season for tight end. It's just a quick exercise. Robert Tunyon was the number three tight end in PPR with 177 points. How many wide receivers... Oh, that would have made him wide receiver 37. He scored as slight like one more point than Russell Gage. Embarrassing, stupid position. You need to do it on a per game basis though. It's not quite that bad. Well, it was Tunyon, right? What did he miss games? No, I'm saying that he was like 6th on a per game okay. basis. Okay. All right. So, then let's take uh okay, he was 5th, 11.8. 11.8. And uh, how many wide receivers got oh, that's there? Probably- it's even worse. 43rd. Yeah, DJ Chark. Okay, guys, uh, let's read some emails. Fantasyfootball at CBSI.com. This is from Jake. Grade the trade. It's a dynasty startup draft. Trade 1.8 and, this is, remember, not just a rookie draft, dynasty startup, everybody. 1.8 and 10.5 for 2.11, 7.2, and a 2022 first and a 2023 first and second. So you're you're moving down from 1.8 to 2.11. That's a big drop, but you're getting... Is it snake or non-snake? I'm assuming it's snake. I'm assuming it's snake. Um, I'm fine if you want to do this, but don't draft any old players if you're going to do this. Like, if you're making this move, then you're planning on being better in 2022 and 2023 than you are now, in my opinion. So draft young guys. So 1.8 is probably it's a one QB league. I don't know. So um, they didn't indicate. So assume one QB league. So one QB league, 1.8, and a startup dynasty league is. I mean, is that like Derrick Henry range? I 
I've got Justin Jefferson there. Okay. Um, could so be Cam Akers. Okay, wait. I'm going to look at our startup dynasty draft right now. This was non-PPR, but... The one you butchered the draft? You no, know, I think this is the one that I didn't butcher the draft. The Superflex one is the one I butchered. Wow, that was like the most embarrassing moment of my life. Uh, um, oh, come on. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably not true, right? What? Well, now I can't find the draft results. Okay, so anyway, let's read our next email. You're doing the. Uh, you're doing this trade? I would make the trade. Okay. Okay, this is from Cool Sports Guy. I thought I was the only one. If you guys can't get a top three tight end, what are you going to do? If there ever was an email we answered already. Well, I said I talked about it, but what what are you guys gonna do? What's your if you can't get a top three? I I mean for me it's I play the board. Uh, you know I'll be aggressive with Hawkinson because I like him a lot, but I'm not gonna be aggressive with the guys around him. So I'm not gonna target Andrews. I'm not gonna target Pitts. Um, I I it, for me it's Hawkinson, Goddard, and then just wait it out and then just kind of take. Uh, I'd say well I'll say it's it's Hawkinson, Goddard, Herb Smith. Those are the three that I target in their various ranges. So Hawkinson in the first six rounds, more like rounds five and six. Goddard more like rounds eight and nine, and then uh, Smith more like round ten. And Heath, not that far. Like I'd go around earlier for Andrews. I'm fine with him in round four. Um, Hawkinson in round five, six. Goddard, Fant, and. Uh, Pitts, I'm all fine with in round seven. Obviously, Pitts is going to be gone in like round three now, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's going to be great to see where his ADP is if Julio's traded. Dynasty League startup mock draft from a week or two ago. Pick eight was DK Metcalf in between Derrick Henry and Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson. And the round two pick 11 was Austin Eckler. It was Joe Mixon, Eckler, Aaron Jones, and then J.K. Dobbins. And and the thing is, it, it's so difficult. It, it depends on what group of people you have together. Because there's some rounds where you're going to see a whole bunch of running backs go in the first round, and then that's it's all wide receivers in round two. But I think that type of drop-off, like you're getting two firsts and a second to go down from D.K. to Eckler. Yeah, do now, you don't, I, I would suggest you shouldn't take Eckler there if you're doing that. You well, should you take could, somebody you that's take still Dobbins. going to... What you take Dobbins? Yeah, right. Is that you also have two eight? Though, still, what'd you say? He also has two point eight. Yeah, or no, not two point eight because it's not it's snake. So right, no, he would have two point whatever it is five. Right, I hate doing that on the spot. Okay, this is from Kyle. Twelve team PPR draft, two running backs and three flexes. I have the twelfth and thirteenth picks. It's PPR. I'm leaning Cam Akers and Najee Harris. Is this a good decision taking them over guys like Eckler, AJ Brown, Diggs, Mixon, Jonathan Taylor? Nope. <laughs> no, I'd much rather have Eckler. And Taylor, right? And Taylor, yeah. Okay. Those aren't bad picks, but you're passing up some pretty good players as well, in my opinion, better players. I, I feel like you can make a better argument for Akers there than you can Harris, but I just wouldn't, those would not be my picks. Agreed. So it's PPR and it's two running backs and three flex spots. Does that change anything in terms of, I really like to get at least one wide receiver here? No. Okay. It, it's interesting the way he said it, two running backs, three flexes. We don't know how many wide receivers you start. That's true. Right, it could be two, two, and three. How many emails have I read? Four? Mm. I did the grade the trade. I did the tight ends. I did the... Startup dynasty. I think I've only done three. I'm missing an email here. This is from Dave and Flint. Uh, I have an eight-team, half PPR league, and one team is trying to get DeAndre Swift from me. I'm a Lions fan. Swift is my family favorite. My son picked his jersey number for his junior football jersey this year, so I hate to trade him. However, this man is now offering me a first and a second in the 2022 rookie draft uh, in the 2022 rookie drafts for DeAndre Swift. At which point should I just say to heck with it and take the trade? Not first, this and a second for Swift for next year. Rookie drafts, first and second in 2022 for Swift. And 
nothing this year? No, nothing. That's not enough for me. It's so hard to say because like he should be awesome. And if he's awesome, then it's not enough. But if he busts, <laughs> then you're going to, why didn't I take the trade? Um, uh, let me just, I, I forgot. I mentioned this, but it probably was lost in the shuffle. It's an eight team league. So that second round pick in the rookie draft is a, is a little bit better. I think if, especially in a team league, um, depending on how many players you roster, I want to get something back in return this year. Something that can help me this year too. So like, I want a player plus those two picks or a pick this year as well. Also, like when you're, and this is just to everybody that is sending those types of trades. And like, if you could tell us if the team you're trading with is like awful or really good or in the middle, there's a big difference between a first, the first or second pick and the seventh or eighth pick. And in 12 team leagues, the difference is even, is much, much bigger. Like, if you told me it was number one overall and number nine overall, that's a much different discussion for DeAndre Swift than the projected number six or seven overall. Yeah, but he wouldn't know that anyway, though. Well, so. you, can, you can know if they – like, I think you can generally put them in groups. Top like, three. This guy's yeah. roster sucks. Right. right. This but he's guy's not going to have any good. idea if it's one, you know, so. Right, no. But I think if, if, if he really wants DeAndre Swift that badly, either if you've had your rookie draft already, look who he took in the first round. Um, and and make that part of it with just a pick next year or somebody on his roster that could help you this season because eight teams, he should have somebody good or she should have somebody good. Okay, last email here uh, is from Kevin. I'm in the second year of being the commissioner of my league that has been running for 20 years. I'm trying to keep up with the times with this stupid added game. Hey, come on, it's more football. We currently play 14 weeks Three division winners and one wild card make the playoffs. My question is, what would you guys do and what are the settings going to allow us to do? Should we just extend our season a little longer? My thought was to give the three division winners a bye in week 15 and have the fourth and fifth seed play week 15 to see who joins the three division winners. And the playoffs will continue in week 16 and 17 to find a winner. Or would you guys play an additional regular 15th week and play playoffs week 16 and 17? Or would you just leave it alone and not do anything? What do you think? The, the second option for sure. Yep. I kind of like that idea, though, of the play-in game. I liked it in the NBA. I think that's cool. You give uh, you give the three division winners a bye, and then you have seeds four and five play in. I think uh, I support either one of those options. Put it up to a vote in your league. And, uh, yeah. No, wait, you're eliminating a playoff team, though, right? No, he only has four playoff teams to begin with. I would just play the 15, especially when you only have four playoff teams. I would like for everybody to get an additional regular season game to try to determine who gets those four spots. This is a 12-team league? I don't know. Well, the 12-team league should have six playoff teams. I agree, but this league only has four, and they've been doing it for 20 years, so... This is probably not changing that. where they rock and roll here. Yeah, if it's... if it's, I guess I didn't hear the first part of that. So if it's only four teams getting in the playoffs, then I would go to option one. I like that, the playing game. Playing game. Now, how about yeah, this? I would like more teams to have a chance to make the make a run. Right. So here's what you should do. I'm sure we'll all agree on this. Three division winners get the bye. In week 15, every other team plays, and the highest score gets, this, gets the wild no, I like that too. I don't like that. <laughs> No, that's a little extreme to give like a last place team the opportunity. But you could expand it. You could do the next four teams. You could do whatever you want, but have fun with it. I Let- thought you were going to say something to the effect that the three division winners get a bye. Then every other team, you take out their worst week <laughs> and their best week. And what? And so you call it the Azer Stat playoff. No, you have to only take out the weeks where one of their best play, one of their three best players, left with an injury and played less than fifty percent of the. Snaps. Oh, you really want to complicate it? Okay, yeah. I was going to take out their highest score and their lowest score, and then take the average score of every other game. It's perfect. The Azer playoffs, the Azer play-in schedule. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for the emails. More bold predictions later in the week, and we'll see you tonight. YouTube.com/slash Fantasy Football Today at seven PM Eastern. See ya. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 